friends, and welcome to my Heart to Heart podcast. I am your host, Kathy Jo Hart. I am a Christian speaker and author of God's Chosen Helper. Our focus is to discuss the hot topics of the day and how it relates to the Bible and the lessons through the love of Christ. Today, I wanted to respond to a question from a listener that wondered why I was spending so much time reporting on the transgender movement. The question was, why do you care so much about the trans movement when it doesn't affect you? The obvious to this is that it not only affects me, but affects everyone. I could have been flippant in my response because all you have to do is to listen to previous episodes to discover the answer. But God put on my heart to answer this question through my testimony. At first, I was like, nope, because I really didn't want to go there, you know. But when God wants you to do something, nope is not a viable option. I had to pray over this episode because it is very personal. It's one thing to write about it, as I did in my book, God's Chosen Helper, but it is another to talk openly. One of the many reasons I have invested so much time and energy researching the trans ideology is because I know I would have been a targeted victim of this movement when I was a child. You see, I was born with an anxiety disorder that wasn't discovered by medical science until about 20 years ago. I was not diagnosed until 10 years ago, and I didn't find a doctor who understood my condition until three years ago. I was different from the rest of my family I had a strong personality that was misconstrued as being spoiled and difficult. I would panic. Whether it was the panicked screams when my dad would put my nose in the corner for misdeeds. Now, this was a culturally accepted disciplinary practice at the time, but I was hugely claustrophobic. Or panic when my mother walked out of the room or the over-the-top tantrums as a toddler by the time I was three years old, I was labeled, and this label of being difficult was spoken over me throughout my childhood and adulthood. When I was in junior high, my anxiety progressed into fainting spells. At the time, no one understood why. I didn't even understand it until much later that these were panic attacks. I had them more times than I can count. I didn't know who I was because the words that were spoken over me were not who I was on the inside. I could not communicate what was happening inside of my brain, and as such, my words and intentions were misunderstood. I was punished for being me. I had very low self-esteem, and I was very angry. I was really angry at my parents because they never tried to understand what I was going through. Instead, the many negative labels made by family became my identity. And as a young teen, I lived in self-isolation and had no one to share this with. 
I believed that if my family didn't like me, then no one else would either. I would have been the perfect victim for this trans ideology. I was somewhat of a loner with self-esteem issues. I struggled with sound and found this interfered with my ability to focus, so school was not my favorite place to be either. If I had had teachers and doctors, coaches, celebrities, influencers, and friend groups encouraging me to create a new identity, I would have done it. Although I loved to play sports and was considered a tomboy, I never had any qualms about being a girl, and I definitely didn't have any desire to be a boy. But if someone said I could take a pill and that this magic pill would make me happy, I probably would have done it. A magic pill to change who I was? Where do I sign up? I didn't like who I was. It wasn't a body image thing for me. I just didn't want to be me. Add on top of that a community that would cheer on my transition. And as a bonus, I wouldn't have to deal with my family and that I would have people fighting for me on my behalf. Wow. Now that would have been the magic icing on top of the mystical cake. But here's the thing. Changing my body chemistry, mutilating my genitals, eliminating my parents, none of this would have helped my anxiety disorder. None of it. You see, I would still be me on the inside. I would still have the same emotional problems no matter what I did physically to change my external appearance. There is no physical deformity or human enhancement that could change my anxiety disorder. And as of today, there are still no medical or medicinal cures for my disorder. My negative identity impacted my self-value for years. The rejections, isolations, frustrations, and helpless anger took its toll during the pandemic. My anxiety went to hyper-overdrive during the lockdowns, and it brought me to the lowest point in my life. I lost hope. I knew I had to get away from the lockdowns, the negativity, and the nonstop daily push of fear-driven rhetoric. That was in July of 2020. I was desperately searching for help. And I found it when I walked into a church that was open and the minister began preaching about depression, anger, and forgiveness. Each message was about God's love for all his children. I learned that even Jesus got angry and how he experienced depression too. Each week I felt God's presence and it was a love I had never experienced before. By September, I was ready to give my life and my will to Jesus. And once I did, my entire body began to heal. When I gave my life to Christ, the first miracle happened. I experienced peace for the very first time. In Psalm 55, verse 22, it says, Cast your burden on the Lord and he will sustain and uphold you. He will never allow the righteous to be shaken. 
I not only casted my burdens on the Lord, I released the strongholds of those burdens to the Lord. And this is when the first miracle happened. He took away my anxiety, and I have not had a panic attack since that moment. The second miracle is when I found a doctor that understood my anxiety disorder, and this doctor helped me create new pathways to navigate my emotions through cognitive therapy and how to process information, to understand how the disorder affected my emotions, and how to communicate. For the first time, I learned that my emotions were tied around the disorder. The disorder disrupted my cognitive brain development. I had to relearn thought processes through cognitive therapies that helped reconnect my brain. But a huge part of my healing was through biblical scripture and through the teachings of Jesus that shaped a new godly foundation. Not only did I have to relearn cognitive processes, but I had to maneuver it through the same negativity that overwhelmed me in the first place. God doesn't remove the circumstances, but he helps us get through them. I learned that just because you are saved doesn't mean people automatically are going to see Jesus inside of you. I had to tune out all negativity and rely completely on God. And I worked really, really hard at it. And today, these cognitive skills are now second nature. And just think about it. The person who couldn't communicate is now a published Christian author, a speaker, a Bible study teacher, and a podcaster. This is the person God intended me to be. In Galatians chapter 4, verse 7, So you are no longer a slave, but God's daughter. And since you are his daughter, God has made you his heir. And I have been redeemed by the blood of Jesus, and he loves all of us in spite of the sins of our past. And none of this would have been possible if I had followed the path that is currently being promoted to children. This promotion erases who God made each child to be. God gave each one of us unique DNA and with it our own gifts, talents, strengths, and weaknesses. It is these strengths and weaknesses that is the engine that drives everything about who we are. And these gifts and talents provide us with our potential, and our purpose is based on God and His will. But if society dictates that we ignore these talents, without action and without purpose, these talents will die along with our spirit. God did not create us to have the same outcomes in life. God made us all different for a reason. By telling a child that their bodies are wrong and, and that natural human development is bad, then we are eliminating the uniqueness God created within each of us. God did not intend us to have equal strengths, equal talents, or equal abilities. Each one of us has a special purpose that differs from the others. 
It is our differences that provide us with the ultimate potential to make each other great. Let's look at where we are in society today. God isn't even allowed to be a part of our lives. When God was removed from our governing society in 1962, the demonic world took over. God was removed not only as a solution, but he was eliminated from all public conversation. Atheists have placed God in a category of political theory. And people are running away from God because they don't know who he is. They fear what they do not know. And fear does not provide safety, but it will keep you in a constant state of powerless existence. But in a culture that promotes the self as the savior, the cycle of perpetual victimhood will keep you in a world of soul-crushing defeats. We do not have the ability to control outcomes, and we can get crushed if things do not work out the way we need or want them. And this is where the devil manipulates shattered emotions by automatically replaying the defeats, the rejections, and the hurts in our minds. If you live your thought life on autoplay, you are being held hostage by your emotions. The devil wants you to feed on these emotions, and he does this by keeping you stuck in a place where you cannot find a way out. Sin becomes the master of your mind, body, and soul. You can medicate it. You can ignore it. You can surgically mask it. But no matter what you do, if you hold on to these mindsets and keep replaying it in your mind, you become a slave to it. A world void of God is a world consumed by conflict, confusion, and chaos. This is where fear thrives, and this is the demonic world of an atheistic society. You see, God's truth is an absolute truth, and when God was removed, man created the standards of subjective truth. And these truths are as solid as the wind. Included in these subjective truths are the utopian beliefs that a civil society requires safety from fear itself. It's the insistence that medical health can be cured by eliminating a child's identity and replacing it with mythical gender menu items of gender minotaur, gender tesla, gender expansive, and gender Tootsie Roll Pops. And this is what children are being taught in schools. They can be whatever they choose to be, much like ordering from a McDonald's menu. A child is now able to menu select what gender they want to be. To justify these predatory practices, These groomers are falsely claiming gender-affirming care is a medical cure for mental health problems. Underlying mental health conditions are being ignored, and instead of treating the root cause of these problems, children are pushed into an unproven and permanent 
physical health crisis through hormones and mutilation practices. Just imagine a person suffering from anorexia goes to the doctor for help and receives liposuction as a cure. It's the same ass-backwards philosophy guiding the gender dysphoria epidemic. In biology and medical science has proven there are no physical markers for gender dysphoria seen through an MRI, genetics, or a blood test. It's because gender dysphoria is based 100% on emotional thoughts. It is 100% mindset, and a mindset without God is enslavement to pharmaceutical drugs, psychotherapies, human enhancements, and a perpetual cycle of make-believe identities. When the secular world is seen through the eyes of the self, their well-being will be controlled by desires of the flesh. Then we must ask, what is the ultimate goal of these identity movements? Is it peace? Is it a pursuit for happiness? And here are a few questions everyone should ask themselves. What does happiness look like to you? How would you define peace? And what would make your life peaceful? When I was struggling with my disorder, I had no reference to know what peace was. I had never experienced peace, and as such, I would not have known how to answer this question. But I have learned there are two types of peace. There is the biblical definition of peace and a secular definition of peace. Biblical peace is calmness in the body, mind, and spirit that supersedes earthly troubles and circumstances. Spiritual peace transcends all understanding and provides inner psychological peace. It is unity, harmony, faith, and gratitude. This provides relational peace for mankind. And this is the peace God desires that all people know of his perfect peace. Secular peace is the absence of struggle or conflict, and peace is provided by prosperity and security. Look at the differences between the two definitions. It is unrealistic to believe life will be without conflicts. God knows there will be conflicts because we live in a fallen world. God's peace provides joy regardless of what is happening around us. It is through faith we know God is always with us and there is nothing to fear. God's love sustains us. Trusting God is the faith secular peace does not have. Secular peace requires success, good fortune, and evokes positive emotions when one gets what they desire. But where do they go when life becomes challenged and hard? Where would they go to find hope, meaning, and purpose when their beliefs are based upon the self? It is the fruit of the Spirit God provides, found in Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23, that says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, 
joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. When I began building my faith in God, it wasn't easy, as old opinions and mistreatments did not change immediately. I had to trust God in order to build my faith. I was challenged. My motives were second-guessed. And there were some Christians who didn't trust my faith. I kept my eyes on Jesus. I didn't shy away from naysayers, and I knew it would take time to become who God wanted me to be. I found new Christian friends and Christian mentors that helped me through my spiritual transition. I had to walk away from those who did not support my Christian growth. My faith has introduced me to new and rewarding relationships. I still get frustrated and I still get angry. The difference is how I react to these challenges. I had to get to a point in my faith journey where I no longer tried to be accepted by those who were never going to be for me. And as my son brilliantly said, Mom, you have to stop giving your power away to those who hurt you. He was right. And I did just that through the love of Christ. And this is what needs to happen to those who are giving their power away to the transgender ideology. This is a movement of the flesh, of atheistic desires of the self. They promote conflict, confusion, and chaos because this atheistic culture demands suffering, demands division, demands coercion to sexualize children, to mutilate their bodies, and to defile everything God created us to be. This is an anti-God movement that will end with great suffering if we do not stop it. And as Christians, we cannot allow this to happen to our children. This is demonic, and as we know, every Christian has the authority through Christ to rise up to stop it. But it requires action, and it requires unity in God's word to fight this spiritual battle. As Christians, it is our duty to share our faith and to share God's word. We are in a continual battle with an internal and external enemy. It is a spiritual battle with the devil, the one who Jesus refers to as a liar and murderer. The devil comes after us through the mindset of emotions. The battle is for your soul. And the devil uses deception, dysfunction, chaos, anger, and sin to lead us away from God. The devil will use divisive practices to go after your family, the church, the flesh, and uses the fallibility of human nature to keep us from our God destiny. My question to you is this. Are you ready to take action to protect all of God's children? Or are you going to fall in line with the devil by remaining silent? We cannot allow the devil to divide our unity and to silence our voices. 
Jesus warned us about this in Matthew chapter 12, verse 25. And Jesus said, Every kingdom divided against itself will be ruined, and every city or household divided against itself will not stand. Now, as we end this podcast, I leave you with this verse found in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7. And it says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And remember, we can do everything through Jesus who gives us strength. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.